0: Hello, and welcome to this online conversation hosted by the European Centre for International Political Economy on the economic and broader societal value of intellectual property, or IP, for the EU and its member states. My name is Jackie Davis, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Frederick Eriksson to this conversation. Frederick is director of ESIPE and an author of the recent ESIPE study entitled The Benefits of Intellectual Property Rights in in EU Free Trade Agreements. Frederick, great to have you with us today. Welcome. Thank you very much. Frederick, just let's start with a very basic question. Why did you launch this study? What was the question you were setting out to answer?
1: The reason why we did this study is basically, if you look back, over several decades, IPR and especially IPRs in trade agreements have been treated basically as something that the cat has dragged in. So it's, you know, a bit untidy, a bit dirty. No one has really been willing to touch upon it. And of course, there has been a huge uh, sort of campaign, so at least a lot of commentary in order to uh, dismiss the notion that IPRs actually play a role. And if you look around the world economy today, you're going to find that it's not just trade that is has powered the economy substantially now, but also new ideas, new technology, new innovations. We're just going through a pandemic where innovation has basically allowed us to start our normal lives again. So with this sort of ideas-fused economy, we are Right at the heart of intellectual property rights. And what we wanted to do with this study was to get a much better feeling of not just uh, how much they contribute to the economy. We wanted to see, you know, for member states, for specific sectors, the role that intellectual property rights in trade agreements play in generating more economic dynamism and more economic modernization.
0: Um, And you said, Frederick, it's treated as if it's something the cat dragged in. Um, Why do you think that is? And and why does it matter so much if governments really don't understand how crucial IPRs are uh, for the success of trade policy? What's at stake here?
1: So I think it's because IPRs are generally a technical issue, which sometimes can be very difficult to understand. Uh, for a lot of people that has been involved in trade, it's been seen as something which is very distant from trade. I mean, this is something, you know, you you provide legal assurances that your trademarks and your patents are going to be protected. It's not been seen as being at the heart of trade. But I think what we've seen over the past couple of decades where more and more technology and innovation is generating the dynamism in the economy, it basically means that IPRs now should be at the center of when we negotiate trade agreements or when we talk about what role that trade and the global economy plays for generating much more income and much more social modernizations in, in, in different countries. And it's <laughs> not just in Europe, it's it's across the world.
0: I mean, the figures are quite staggering. Uh, looking at your study, IP-intensive industry contributing forty-four point eight percent of EU GDP, responsible for sixty-eight percent of total exports. Uh, Yet 55% of exports aren't covered uh, by a free trade agreement. Uh, The figures really are striking. And also that comparison with other parts of the world, with China, Japan, the US. Why are we lagging behind, do you think?
1: Well, I mean, just to come back to to your previous question, because I think this is a very, very important question. And it also goes back to why do we want to do the study? I mean, we're not just looking at the specific economic contribution from IPRs and trade agreements, we're also trying to take uh, sort of the pulse of where Europe stands vis-a-vis other major economies in the world when it comes to being front-footed and ahead with putting IPRs at the center of trade policy. And what we find here is exactly what you're talking about, Brian, which is that over time, Europe is... Uh, lagging behind many of the other major economies in the world that are much better, and they're much more advanced in how they pursue IPRs in the trade agreements, which means that Europe's position in the world when it comes to protecting IPRs vis-a-vis other countries in its trade is actually not as good as it should be. And of course, that relative Uh, decline that we've seen, that goes right to the heart sort of of why are companies not making enough investments in Europe? Why aren't we seeing uh, an even stronger economic contribution from some of these IPR sectors than we we could have?
0: Um, So That's obviously one of the key uh, elements of the study, one of the key findings. What for you, what would you highlight in headline terms? We're going to delve into all of these issues in this podcast series. But for you in headline terms, what are the most important messages to emerge from this study?
1: So what surprised me a bit was in the first place, how large the IPR sector in Europe's economy is. I mean, you you. Uh, quoted some of the figures um, in your previous questions. We're talking about a sector that comprises many, many different sectors. I mean, it's machinery, it's it's chemicals, it's pharmaceuticals, it's telecommunication, and a lot, lot more. When you start to add up the IPR-intensive parts of these sectors, we are getting to a number which is very, very substantial. So I think that was one of the first surprising things for me. I did, I, I didn't, I hadn't understood before we started this this analysis that already now the IPR intensive sector represents so much output and, and generates so much trade and productivity in the European economy. The second surprising part was that Europe is lagging behind, and that the pace of change has been so fast with not just the United States, but with Japan, with Switzerland, with Canada and others that are moving ahead on on not all IPRs always, but on, at least on some of them and are creating conditions that are a lot better than the conditions we have in Europe for using investments in intellectual property here in order to reach markets that are in other parts of the world. So that was the second surprising part for me that the the sort of decline of the of Europe's position vis-à-vis other major economies had gone so fast.
0: The, the study also contains policy recommendations, things that we need to do uh, to redress the balance, uh, which, as you say at the moment, a relatively neglected area uh, by those negotiating free trade agreements. Um, for you, in, in broad terms... What do you think the key is to putting this where you believe it needs to be in such negotiations?
1: So, I think there are two things that are crucial now. The first thing is to basically go back to a lot of the free trade agreements that we have done already. We have done with, for instance, Japan and South Korea. Uh, we are. Um, now sort of still going through an approval process for uh, a trade agreement with the Mercosur countries, uh, to go back to those and improve the IPR components in these agreements. And that basically means that we are going to give a lot more weight to, in particular, patents in these trade agreements. There are some IPRs, for instance, geographical indicators, that have been treated uh, very seriously by the EU in these agreements. And when you look at and compare what the EU is doing on geographical indications compared to other countries, you will see that the EU is going much further and it's much more advanced, It comes with a lot stronger uh, uh, view of protecting uh, these intellectual assets in trade agreements we're not doing it on patents. And when you compare the EU with other major economies on this specific intellectual property, you will see that Europe is far away from where it should be. So that's the first thing. Go back, open up trade agreements and try to improve this type of And
0: just on that point, before before you go on, um, why do you think that is? Because it's patents, it's trademarks, they're the economically important ones, and yet it's geographical indicators that get the attention. Is it, do you think, simply because that's, if I can put it simply, sexier, Uh, it's easier to understand, it attracts more public attention uh, and therefore, if you like, it's a lower hanging fruit uh, as far as the EU is concerned. Why the focus on the bit that matters less and not on the bit that matters more, do you think?
1: I think what you just said is part of the explanation. Another explanation is that this is a political prioritisation that the EU has done. and the basic calculation behind it is that when europe goes and do trade agreements with the rest of the world it usually means that europe has to lower some of its agriculture tariffs and in order to provide uh, a support base for for these trade agreements in the agriculture sectors among farmers and of course in countries with where the agriculture sector is deemed to be politically important they need to add something more so Geographical indications are the currency that the EU pays with in order to get support from farmers and farming countries in trade negotiations. That doesn't explain why we're not prioritizing patents, because that goes right to the heart of many of the industrial sectors where Europe has been strong and where we've seen uh, a pattern of decline over the past couple of decades. And that's what what I want to see changing, is that we not stop doing things on GIs, but that we start to focus on the components that we know generate uh, the most economic bang.
0: Absolutely. So, Frederick, you said earlier, uh, the first thing we need to do, as you said, go back over the existing FTAs and look at this issue again and improve those IPR components. Uh, I stopped you in mid-flow in terms of other things we need to do.
1: Well, the second thing we need to do, of course, is to negotiate... Free trade agreements or free trade agreement-like agreements with countries that we don't have agreements with today. And when you look around the world, you will find that there are substantial economies in the world where we don't have uh, an agreement that covers IPRs that go beyond what we have in the World Trade Organization. And these includes countries like uh, China, India, United States, a lot of Southeast Asia, where the Economic power is getting stronger and stronger. And if we can find ways to engage with those countries in order to improve the conditions for uh, intellectual property rights in our trade with them, that's going to have a very, very strong economic consequence, a positive one.
0: I'm just also wondering, in terms of getting policymakers to sit up and take notice of this issue in the way that you're appealing to it, is part of this as well um, about the EU's big objectives? Uh, we talk a lot of now about the transition to a low carbon economy, the green transition. We talk a lot about the digital transformation of Europe. Um, Would it help, do you think, is it important for policymakers to understand why this issue not just matters to the broader question of economic growth, to generating jobs, but also if we are to deliver on those transitions and indeed be in the lead? Uh, Because there's a lot of discussion about the potential for Europe to be the great innovator, the great leader, uh, but also concerns about areas where we're lagging. How important do you see this issue in that context?
1: I think intellectual property rights are absolutely crucial for achieving what we want to achieve with climate change uh, and policies to combat climate change and, of course, the the broad agenda for uh, making our societies more digital. We are talking about sectors and we're talking about political ambitions that uh, assumes that there's going to be fast innovation happening in economies that can deliver the technologies that are going to substitute uh, fossil fuels in our energy sources that are going to make our cars much greener. Um, We are talking about innovations that will take uh, digital opportunities to parts of Europe where these opportunities remain pretty low. And if we don't have a strong system of protecting investments in innovation technology and ideas a lot of companies are simply not going to make these investments so this is not just about the economy iprs are at the heart of societal modernization if we have weak systems they're going to be fewer investments done in achieving the outcomes that we want to achieve
0: Just one final question, Frederick, before we go, Um, we're going to, in this series, delve into many different aspects of the study. You mentioned specific member states, specific sectors, looking uh, at how important this issue is uh, for those sectors, for those countries, uh, and what the concrete benefits can be of addressing it. Uh, Why should people follow this series? What are they going to learn? What are they going to find out?
1: Well, I think, like me, they're going to be surprised to learn things about IPRs and the consequences of IPRs that are a little bit counterintuitive. I mean, just to pick out one thing which surprised me, if you would ask sort of anyone who has followed these issues for a long time, they would say, yeah, yeah, if if we improve patents and we make them stronger, we put a lot more centrality to IPRs in the trade agreements we're going to do, it's going to benefit, you know, Germany, perhaps the Nordics, you know, the advanced industrial economies, they are going to be the main beneficiaries of these type of developments. What our study shows is that, yes, they are almost certainly going to benefit, but the intensity, the the scale of these benefits, when you put it in comparison to their size of the economy, it's not going to be these economies. It's going to be economies like Greece that is going to benefit the most from, from these type of changes. And it's not going to be about, you know... Um, olive oil or feta cheese from Greece that are already protected by GER, is that they're going to benefit. No, it's about the machinery sector and, and a lot of economic dynamism that happens in those sectors in countries like Greece. So I think finding out these surprises and learning that the sort of world of IPRs in the economy is a lot more nuanced, has much more rich details than most people think.
0: Frederick, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you uh, in order to launch uh, this series of podcasts. As you've just heard, over the next few months, we'll be unpacking the findings of this eCype study through a series of activities that include events, podcasts and blogs that will allow a range of experts to share their views. We'll be focusing on several exciting topics, including, among others, IP and EU industrial policy, the European Green Deal, pharmaceutical innovation, biotech and healthcare, counterfeit products, the importance of IP for the EU's small and medium-sized enterprises, how IP can combat biodiversity loss and why it is also vital for the EU's services sectors. We invite you to join the discussion on social media using the hashtag IP in EU FTAs, and to follow our trade and IP webpage at esype.org for all future updates. Goodbye.